Praise the Lord. Can we uh, open up with a word of prayer? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you for this awesome opportunity to go to your word. We thank you, Lord God, for our pastors, Pastor A.R. Bernard, Pastor Karen Bernard, Pastor Jamal Bernard, Lady Rita. Father God, today we lift them up to you and we thank you for giving them the leadership qualities that they have. We thank you, Lord God, that they were willing to step up to speak your word when there were others that couldn't because of different challenges they may have had or just because of fear. But today, Lord God, we give thanks to you for giving us your word that continues to heal us, continues to show us who we are, presenting a mirror, and we just thank you, Lord God, that you will continue to work on us as we understand we're a work in progress. So we thank you, Lord, for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen and amen. This morning I have the wonderful opportunity to share a word on evangelism. Anybody know what an evangelist is? Let me see a show of hands if you know what an evangelist is. Okay. Well, if you don't know, prayerfully, by the time we leave today, you'll have a better understanding and knowledge of the evangelist. I'd like to start off with Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 in the NIV, New International Version. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to do what? To equip his people for works of service. When you hear those five titles, they're often known as the fivefold ministries. Okay? So whenever you hear somebody mention the fivefold ministries, you can go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. You follow me? Okay, if you don't, come on, let's go. Got to keep it running. Where's, where's my clock? I need to know how much time I got. I don't want to get in trouble. I got an hour? Oh, Lord. I, all right, I'll wait till the first five people start walking out, and then I'll stop. Um, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the fivefold ministries is meant to mature the body of Christ. Amen? Amen? So they all work together so that the body of Christ, who's part of the body of Christ? Are you saved? If you're saved, you're part of the body of Christ. Who's the head of the body of Christ? That would be simple if I said the body of Christ. Lord have mercy. If we the body and Christ is the head, right? But we got to make sure we make sure we make sure, make sure, make sure that we know that we know that we know. We can't assume anything. Amen? Then we will no longer be infants. This is interesting because the scripture is saying we will no longer be infants, but yet there are many of us in the body of Christ that are at different levels and stages in our relationship with God. Amen. Right? But what the scripture is telling us is that these fivefold ministries is going to make us to a point to where we are no longer infants. 
So what does that say? That at some point, the body as a whole will mature to a place that there will be no more infants in the body of Christ. All right, maybe I'm speeding. Not to get off of the topic of evangelists, but when you first get saved, that's what's known as a carnal Christian. Someone who has made the conversion, but has yet to have their flesh begin to go after the things of God. That's the reason why we first give our heart, not our minds, we give our heart, and then we renew our minds. All right, let me not get off track. Back onto the script. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. How many have ever been tossed to and fro before? Because you believe something somebody said, you took it at what we say face value, right? And then we, we look, let me tell you something, I'll tell you about a, about a friend growing up, real quick. I know I got a million and one stories, Lord have mercy. We would ask my, my friend, hey, what's, what's going on? Because we knew he was going to make up a story. He, let me tell you, he had a story for every day of the week. Every minute of the day. If you asked him a story, he would make it up. I'm shocked that he's not making movies and, 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 and producing movies. I'm telling you, you know he's lying. But you still sat there because you were so like enamored with his creativity. But see, sometimes we can get so caught up in somebody's creativity that we toss to and fro because we don't understand where or what we're supposed to be doing. I'm telling you, we say, hey man, what's going on, bro? What, what happened? And he start talking, I mean, and we all looking at each other and we all kind of laughing. But I mean, we enjoyed it. Life growing up in Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy. Hey, 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 Bed-Stuy, amen, all right. At least I didn't say Brooklyn Tech. Lord, my Lord, have mercy. Don't get Lisa and Errol and Keith and all of them started. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Love seeks to gratify others at the expense of self. Have we not learned that here from Pastor Bernard? So this is how people will know who we are, the love that we show one another. That's scripture. So if we outside bickering and arguing, how would they know that we're part of the body? Take it a step further. Why would they want to be a part of the body? I've never seen anybody want to be a part of something that is confused. I mean, they say misery loves company, but I'm gonna tell you one thing. I've never seen somebody follow somebody that doesn't know where they're going, or at least acts as if they know where they're going. Once you realize they done circled the block a little too many times, you get off that bus, right? Now, you may not know where you're going, but you can pay attention and see if a person has a clear and defined path that they're taking. Amen? Amen. 
So from the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now here's what's important. We have to understand that we all have a part to play in the body of Christ. There's no shortage of anything in the body of Christ. So even though there's a fear of, you know, um, uh, global warming, let me tell you something. When we get those hot days in February, I'm enjoying every single one of them. Now, I'm not going to tell you I'm praying for them, but look, might as well enjoy it. What you fearing for if you know God is in control? Now, you do what you can to, to not add to it, but man, if you get an 80-degree day in February in New York, I suggest you enjoy it. Yeah. I just want to go over the five-fold ministry gifts briefly for a moment just so that we can have a clear understanding of the evangelist. The apostle, the apostle establishes churches. So as you'll see, Pastor Jamal, as we first came out to Long Island, Pastor Jamal came out here. We started Long Island campus, right? Pastor Jamal operates in the office of apostle. Okay? Even though he's a pastor, he also operates in the office of apostle. So you'll see the same thing as he's going to Orlando, establishing ministry. Right? But as we move forward, the prophet, the prophet is a fourth teller. The prophet is someone who may be sensitive to the things of God and may be able to speak into your life because they understand what the Holy Spirit is speaking to them for you. Now we have some people out here that have a history of prophet lying. But, but, the beauty in it is, somebody just got it, amen. <laughs> the beauty in it is, is that the Holy Spirit will bear witness amen. to what it is that God is speaking into your life. So most times when the prophet is speaking to you, it's something that you've already encumbered. It's something that you've already dreamed about, something that you've already known God has given you to do. The prophet tells you, and most of the times you're sitting there like, I know, I know what you're telling me is the truth because God has already told me, right? Amen. Then we have the evangelist. The evangelist primarily goes about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and encourager, makes the word available to any and all. So the evangelist would be somebody who comes in to give a word. Pastor Jamal also may go to another ministry and bring a word. In that office, he's not Pastor Jamal, he's evangelist at that moment. Amen. You follow me? When he goes to another place, whether it's a missions project, whether it's any time that you go out and you set forth to speak the gospel, to win souls to Christ, you're an evangelist. Amen? Next is the pastor, the under-shepherd of the local church. That's the office that Pastor Jamal serves in as he serves us in this local assembly. The pastor is in it for the long haul, right? So Pastor Jamal may know about particular things that you're going through because you shared it with him. And you said, Pastor, could you please keep me in prayer regarding this? And then Pastor Jamal will say, okay, I got it. And put your name on the prayer list, so on and so forth. The pastor is in it for the long haul. They have a local assembly. Okay? Y'all follow me so far? So that's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor. And what's last but not least, the teacher. 
the teacher gives understanding in a very simplistic way. Now, even though we have our pastors, their teaching style or their way of delivery is more of a teacher than it is of a preacher. Most times the evangelist would be seen as a preacher, somebody that can hype you up, right? Somebody that can come in and get you excited about this newfound relationship in Christ. And you, you know, you end up realizing it doesn't even cost anything. You telling me that I can have life and have it to its full and it doesn't cost me a dime. And, and think about this. There's people that still won't accept Christ because they can't believe it. But if we put a price tag on it, look, Christ will come into your life for 500 billion gazillion dollars. You can put down two cents a day and say, you know what, I need some of that Christ. I, I, but that's, is that not the life we live? We think that the things we pay for are priceless. The enemy comes forth to do what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have and have it more abundantly. But look at what's happening. The enemy has come forth to steal the knowledge that we're supposed to have in reference to this great thing of ours, this love that God has given us, this gospel, this great work. How is it that people, let, let me tell you something. If I was a gambling man, even if I wasn't sure, now I'm just, I'm just keeping it simple. Even if I wasn't sure I'd accept Christ, it don't cost me nothing. <laughs> man, look, Lord, what, what I'm supposed to say? If I confess with my mouth and believe with my head that Christ is saved, correct me. If I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart, because see, our minds can take us on a trip sometimes. So it's important that you understand it's a believing with the heart first. Now, when you see heart or spirit in the word, they're both interchangeable. The spirit of man is in the heart. Okay? So what God is asking for us to do is to trust in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your Lean not on your own, but in all your ways. And he'll do what? Direct your path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, if you don't know it, you better get it. Amen. You better get it. God is after your heart because if he was after what was in your mind, then he'd be competing with all the voices that you're hearing every day. Now, some of y'all say, I ain't hearing no voices, minister. Yes, you are. You on Instagram, that's a voice. You on Facebook, that's a voice. You go out your house, there's voices that are fighting for your attention. Evangelists and teachers are very similar. Evangelists, as I said, is more like a preacher. They'll inspire you, but a teacher is gonna teach you how to maintain what the evangelist helped you to obtain. You follow me? But the interesting thing about these five offices, these five fold ministries is that the pastor can't you see how the pastor serves in like each of them? Your pastor has that seat of, you know, occupying the other, the other ministries. Now there's some people who just can't be a pastor. 
just, some people just can't do it. They can't sit still long enough. All right, maybe, maybe I, I, I hope I ain't step on nobody's toes. But if I did, just wipe your shoe off, it'd be all right. The principle I want us to gain with that, between, the difference between a, an evangelist and a teacher is it's much easier to obtain than it is to maintain. So the evangelist helps you to obtain where the teaching helps you to maintain what you've obtained. Anybody ever had a brand new car that cost just a little too much outside of our budget? It was easy to get it, right? It was harder to maintain it, right? Especially when you had to do something beyond the payment. Right? I'll give you another example. Can I tell you another story? I'm gonna tell it anyway, I got the mic. Nothing you can do. Here, look, let me, let me show you something. A year ago, May, I had to uh, get a new battery for my truck. So, um, I went to get the battery, and then they ask you all these different, um, does your truck have this, does it have the towing package, does it have this? Now, I ain't never told nothing in my truck, so I said no. So they gave me a battery that was actually smaller than the one that I had in my truck. So, me being who I am, I wasn't bringing my truck to them for them to put the battery in, because they're gonna charge you about $300 to do it. I'm saying, I could screw the battery on. I take the battery, put it in the truck, Truck starts, I'm good. After about a month or two, I realize my window's rolling up a little slow. <laughs> horn ain't sounding quite like a horn. It's sounding more like a whistle or like, you know, like a bike, honk, honk, like, you know, is it? AC not blowing cold air like it's supposed to. I go back, I say, hey, um, I think I got the wrong battery. I think I need the one with the towing. Um, he said, well, you know, we would have to do a diagnostic in order to see if the battery is holding its charge, because if it is, then there's nothing wrong with the battery. I said, I don't think you understand what I'm saying to you. <laughs> I bought the battery, but I believe it's the wrong battery. Say, yeah, but we'd have to do the diagnostic. All right, so what do we have to do for the diagnostic? Well, the diagnostic is about $95 an hour, you know, so we have to get the car. And I'm saying, I'm saying, what? I barely paid like $150 for the battery. So I said, you know what? I got to eat it. So I just held on to it. And here I am a year later in some months. Start the car. Car's running, then the car just cuts off. So I said, oh man, I gotta figure this thing out. I need a new battery a year later. So I'm looking for my receipt. Now I usually keep my receipts with the driver's manual, the, you know, the book for your car. I usually try and keep that just in case I sell my car, you'll know everything that's been done to it, whatever. Um, but I couldn't find that receipt. But I still need a new battery. So I call the parts department, I ask them if they have the part in, in, in um, stock, and they say yeah. So I said, all right, I'm gonna come down there and change it. Um, they said, but if you bring the old battery, we can give you a little rebate on it. I said, okay. 
Now, I know in my heart what I really wanted, and I told God what I really wanted. I said, Lord, please, I need favor. Now, you know, to some people, they say, oh, it's a hundred and something dollars. Look, man, if, if there's a hundred and something dollars on the floor, I'd rather it be in my pocket than yours. I'm just keeping it a hundred with you. So instead of me giving it to them, I would rather have it. So I'm saying, Lord, you know my heart. You know that this is the wrong battery. Work it out, please. So I'm driving. Now, I've been able to pay for a new battery, but who wants to pay for a new battery when you don't have to? So I get there, I carry the battery inside, and God tells me where to put it. He says, you know, put the battery up, put the battery down, and I just felt moved to tell a little bit of my story. So I, um, I said, hey, um, you know, I believe this is the wrong battery. So the guy said, well, do you have the towing package? I said, I do have the towing package, but I don't tow anything in my truck. Like, he said, it don't matter. He said, your truck is made to tow, so you need the battery with the towing package. You know, that's the, I said, all right. I said, yeah, I tried to tell the guy that last year. He said, do you have a receipt? I said, um, I had a receipt, but I just can't find it. He said, all right. Um, yeah, man, you know, um, you know we, changed, we changed dealerships. Like, even though we're still the same dealer, ownership changed. I said, all right. I said, well, um, man, I just wish it was something you could do. I'm just, you know, just talking nice. Now, I know I'm not the smallest guy in the world, so I know I can be quite threatening if I don't speak with a soft enough tone. Where, where, where are my big guys in the room? Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Sometimes you just got to kind of, you know, play it cool, say, hey, man, yeah, you know, I even lean on the counter just a little bit, just to kind of, you know, don't want to be too imposing. So he typing up, he typing up, I'm saying, man, and then I, I hear this paper coming out the printer, and I'm like, ah, I'm grabbing for my card now, I'm like, ah. So then he walks away from the counter, and he comes back around with the battery, he said, where's your, where's your car? He said, you, um, did you... Bring the, did you bring your truck or you? I said, no, 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 I'm gonna take it back and put it in my truck. He said, all right, you want me to walk you to your car? I said, all right. And now we're walking away from the register and I'm like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> right? So I'm walking away and I'm getting to the trunk of the car and I said, so what's, um, he said, look, man, don't worry about it. He said, there's a sticker on the battery that shows you bought the battery last year in May. I just swapped it out. I said, glory to God. God is good. Now, here's what I want us to pay attention to. Even when we're evangelizing, sometimes it means moments where we're not necessarily, that's not necessarily the purpose we set forth to do. But it's the way we communicate. And pastors taught us that we communicate in three ways. Word. Gesture and spirit. How many ways do we communicate? Three ways. What are they? Word, gesture, and spirit. How many ways? Three ways we communicate. What are they? Word, gesture, and spirit. The words we speak, right? The gestures that we use and the spirit behind it. Make sense? Because some of us, we use words 
And then when we get called on the carpet by our gestures, we act like, nah, but I said hello. Yeah, but it was the way you said hello, right? Or even then they say, but nah, it's the spirit behind what you're doing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So we, as evangelists, as people that are set forth as ecclesia, the called out ones, we have to be more responsible with how we represent the body that we belong to. I got like maybe three amens. So I'm gonna let that settle for a moment. You see, sometimes we're asked to do things at work and we don't know that our coworkers are watching us because we feel like, hey, we all peers, we all. But see, our coworkers are watching us because what they're expecting from us is a higher level of maturity. And then they're watching for our vibes, they're watching for our gestures, they're watching for the spirit behind what we're delivering. I mean, I know some of y'all have caught people watching you even while the manager or the, or, or the superior is talking at the moment, and it's kind of like, what you looking at me for? <laughs> I, that's how I know, and I, I know you one of them, see? But here, here's the thing. People are watching because they want to see how they're supposed to respond. So they're looking to us to be the example. And they've dubbed you king or queen and you don't even know it. And the manager could be talking about something totally off the wall, but they're still looking at us because they want to know that we, as long as we can settle with it, then it must be all right. You see, we become the barometer. Don't get caught up in the systems of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. So it doesn't matter what the titles are. See, God might put you somewhere and you think because you don't have pecking order or positional power that you're not the one in charge. But that's not how it works in the kingdom. That's not how it works in the kingdom. Because even the boss will come to you and want to know, well, what you think about this? Now, if that's not evangelism, and the reason why they're able to come to you is not because you're walking around with Jesus saves shirts on, that's okay if you want to wear that. It's all right. But, I mean, I wasn't even gonna come up here and teach because Lisa already taught on evangelism during communion. It's not so much about what we say with our mouths, but what people see within us. You can say whatever you want. And that goes for us as parents at home too. We can say whatever we want, but our children know the real. Because if I didn't live what I'm talking, my wife, my sons, they would have that gesture or that spirit like, come on, man, what are you talking about? I'm here to show my support, but this guy lying. So that's why every once in a while I keep looking a little bit, make sure they still with me. I'm like, all right, they still with me. I'm all right, they still with me. But, you know, it's important that we understand that even though we have struggles, there's nothing wrong with being a part of a struggle. Actually, it's a good thing to be a part of a struggle because it shows you haven't been defeated. But when you're no longer struggling with those things, 
and you're not necessarily victorious over those things, then I have to question whether or not you gave up. Because see what the word tells us to do is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his right way of doing things. Everything else will fall in place. He didn't tell us what to seek second, but he told us to seek first the kingdom. And what is the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Come on, y'all, we gotta do our homework. Cause I'm telling you, there's other, there's other faiths, they know our word better than we do. How are we gonna evangelize to someone and they know the word better than us? <sighs> Communication is a very key element. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 6 through 12. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds such as a pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you, so it is with us. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. Remember I told you about those voices? There's many voices, none without significance. Every voice that you hear, whether you acknowledge them or not, they're fighting for your attention. And throughout the course of our day, sometimes we get inundated and we can't even put a finger on it. But if, if we were to allow God to sensitize us to the different voices that have been fighting for our attention, maybe we'll have a better understanding that this is why we feel bogged down from time to time. Let me tell you something. I used to love going to the city. I mean love going to the city. I go to the city now, I can't wait to get home. I mean, I love the lights, I love, but let me tell you something. Just even the air, y'all laughing at me, let me tell you something. I, and I know I ain't old, and ain't nothing wrong with getting older. Maturation is the process of life, and that's the goal of life. But I'm telling you, I go to the city, and I, just, I can't wait to get out of there. So many voices. And these are voices that ain't even got to do what you're hearing. You can put earmuffs on, you can put headphones on, and there's still voices trying to get your attention. Everywhere you look. Even if you try to close your eyes, somebody's gonna bump into you, get your attention. You can't walk clear five steps without bumping in about three, four people. So don't go there if you tight or got an attitude, because that is not the place you wanna be. Unless you practicing MMA and you trying to practice some moves on somebody, let me tell you something. Don't go to the city if you ain't planning on it. Wear some shoulder pads, something, because you're gonna bump into about 25 people. Now I got some of y'all saying, well, just don't have no events in the city. I ain't gonna go neither. But, but, 
But see, what, what's, what's interesting is how the Lord allowed for us to see, even from the moment that he planted the word, he knew what was forthcoming. So we can't escape this thing and act as if we weren't warned. You think it's a mistake that as soon as your marriage is going right, that an old person, an old flame that you was dealing with, all of a sudden want to, hey, how's it going? You, you think you look that good? You do, you do. That's the Christ in you. That's the Christ in you. I ain't going to lie. You look good. I ain't going to lie to you. But you better know what they're seeing. What they're seeing and what they're attracted to is the very thing you might lose if you give in to a flesh desire. All right, we talking about evangelism. Let me get off of that. Some of y'all are like, come on, man, stick to the script. Stay out of my closet. Stay off my Instagram. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not gasp, grasp, sorry, if then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. I watched a movie throughout the week. Um, my wife and I watched a movie. Um, anybody ever saw the movie Den of Thieves? 50 Cent and Gerard Butler and them. Was like, I, I like those little crime dramas and stuff. Not because I'm trying to do one, I just like those kind of movies. So what I found is that as they were putting this plan together and while the plan is going into action, you know, um, you, you can only be spontaneous to the degree that you're prepared. So preparation is the basis for spontaneity. So here it is, a, hic a hiccup in the plan, right where they're supposed to start getting the money. And they realized that the, the, the guards that were watching the money, they realized something ain't right. So now they, they searching, they searching. But now you have one of the characters, the character that 50 Cent was playing, um, he realized, you know what? They're communicating, and if I keep letting them communicate, they'll find us. So what did he do? He started doing in walkie-talkie talk, stepping on the line. We started pressing his button so that they couldn't communicate clearly. This is what the enemy tries to do to us. When the enemy sees that we're making progress, and that there's some souls being snatched from out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, the enemy starts stepping on our line. The enemy starts getting in the way. How does he get in the way? He starts getting in the way by throwing distractions in our way. He starts getting in the way by telling us, you know what? They don't want to hear what you got to say. And sometimes we believe it. But then it's not until somebody bears witness and they say, you know what, Minister Aaron, it was something you said 15 years ago. Let me tell you something. People tell me some stuff from like 20 years ago. I'm like... Really? Thank you, Lord. Because ain't nothing like seeing a harvest from a seed that you didn't even know you sowed. Sometimes we sowing seeds. 
We call ourselves sowing seeds and we looking for our harvest in the wrong place. We sowing seeds and we watering it and we saying, but Lord, it ain't growing because that ain't the seed that was supposed to germinate. But these seeds you sowed over here, I'm still working on them. And the beauty when seeds grow, nobody knows what seeds are going through as they're maturing and, 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 and germinating and, and growing into an experience. All we see is the, the fruits of it. We see when it breaks through the ground and we're able to see, all right, it's working. Keep giving it some water. Keep, keep doing what you need to do. But see, when we evangelize, the way that we water the seeds that we've sown is with our lives, with our example. I'm not telling you to be perfect. I'm telling you not to avoid the struggle. There's a difference. There's a difference. If you're struggling with something, embrace that struggle. Don't get comfortable embracing it, but embrace it to where you're saying, you know what, Lord, I know. I know this is not going to be my struggle forever. But thank you for my struggle where I am now. And that's why it's important for us to journal so that we can look back and see where God has brought us from. Ah, oh, come on, family. Let's go to uh, 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. How much time do I have? Thank you. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So we have a job. We have a job. But do this how? With gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. So that, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Anybody ever slander you before and had to apologize? Yeah. And don't it feel good to be able to say, hey, man, it's, it's all good. God is good. And I've had that happen. Even in the body of Christ. Come on, when we get saved, we, we, we still got issues. But see, the, the, the process of maturation is not about us being perfect, but about us learning how to work jointly together. Right? We have to learn how to work together. Thank you. I guess I'm messing up the, the cameras. But it's important that we understand working together in love, being gentle towards each other, compassionate, having an objective response or an objective mentality when we see somebody in error. Galatians 6, 1 through 10, you who are spiritual, restore such a one, but be gentle so that you don't fall to the same sin. How do we do it? We do it by saying, you know what? It's you today, it's me tomorrow. If there's something wrong with you, there's something wrong with me. If we're part of the same body of Christ, 
if something is wrong with one of us, there's something wrong with all of us. I'll prove it. Who's the great physician? God. Make sense? Look it up. Look it up in the Word. God is a great physician. When there's something wrong with the body, where do you go? No, no, no. Forget the spiritual aspect of it. I'm talking about in real life. When there's something wrong with your body that you can't make sense of, where do you go? You go to the doctor, right? And prayerfully, it's not serious, too serious the way you got to go to the ER, right? But you go to the doctor. Now, when you go to the doctor and they tell you, well, you know what? Uh, you got a, little, got a little chest cold. Can you leave your respiratory system there and come back for it? No, I'm, I'm being serious. If, if there's something wrong with your body, can you take it off? leave it with the doctor and come back at lunchtime for it? So if there's something wrong in the body, there's something wrong with the whole body. Until we learn that and embrace that, we'll continue to look at each other like their problems are not ours. That's not evangelistic. How can you go out and speak the word to somebody and you can't even love those in your local church? You know what? I'm so glad that my time is up because... Look, we're, we're at a place now where the enemy would want us to normalize illness. So much so that it's become fashionable for you to have a counselor or a therapist. Now, I'm not speaking against counselors and therapists. That's how I earn my living. But what I'm saying to you is, it's so fashionable now. I've had people, now look, I can't talk about your business, but I've had people say from a stage, yeah, because you know my, my therapist, and I'm sitting there like, well, Lord have mercy, don't, don't expose me. You, you know what I mean? I, I know all your problems, but don't tell everybody I'm the one. It, you know what I'm saying? I mean, come on. All right. But here's the thing. When we begin to allow the norm to become accepting illness, then how can we expect to get well? When we look at illness as a status symbol, we look at illness as something to be normalized, to be okay with. I know what the scripture tells me, that I'm healed by Jesus' stripes. So healing is not, it's, it's not something that, uh, that I'm bartering for with God. Healing is our right. Healing is not, yeah, clap it up for the Lord. Healing is not something you have to beg for. Healing is something that you have to walk in. So while you're going through the process of that, what are you saying? Are you still asking God to heal you for whatever it is that's ailing you? Or after you ask for healing, are you thanking him? Because you know that he has already given you what it is that you need. There's a difference. And the way that we evangelize will be the way we live our lives by examples. We have to be the example we preach about. We have to be more concerned with what people see as opposed to what they hear. 
Now, it'd be great if what you say and what you do are one and the same. But we know the tongue got a mind of its own. But that's a whole nother message. Have you ever, have, were you able to get anything out of this message today? My prayer for us as, um, as a body of Christ is that we as the scripture says, make allowances for each other's faults. I pray that we um, not just talk compassion, but um, live it. You know, it's great to be able to influence people and tell them how beautiful our, our, our church is and talk about how good our God is and how dynamic our pastors are and that's great but if we're not representing what does that say about our church? What does that say about our pastors? What does that say about the hard work that they do in terms of making their lives a, a living sacrifice? And I mean they make it look good too. It's it's amazing to see that when a person can struggle and still make you want to grow closer to God, I think that's something awesome. Being a believer is not, it's not for weak people. So if, you, if you're not up for the task, I ain't going to discourage you because if you saved already, you can't take it back. <laughs> Tag, you're it. But I can encourage you that whatever you're going through, you're only going through it because the enemy sees you as a threat. And if you're not going through anything, if the enemy ain't trying to get your attention, then you need to ask yourself why you're not a threat. So either way, isn't it good to know the Lord? Heavenly Father, today I... so grateful so grateful to you Lord for seeing us through you know the struggles you know the challenges you know what we're wrestling with Father God I'm so grateful to you that you love us through it all You know the weight of what I'm feeling right now, Lord God. I can't even explain it. I don't even know what it is. But if there's anyone in here that's struggling today, Lord God, remind them that the struggle is just there to show them what they're made of. It's not here to destroy them. It's here to remind them that they are a child of the king and that they can overcome by the blood of the lamb. We are overcome. We have overcome. Today, Lord God, I just pray that you continue to prosper each and every individual in this room as our souls continue to prosper, Lord God. I pray that you keep us tapped into the proper mindset, the proper mindset to embrace this great love that you've given us. 
in spite of the missteps, the mishaps that we may have had along the way, Lord God. Teach us that we're evangelizing so that people can see that Jesus Christ is the way. And for those that may still have questions, Father God, all we can do is just speak life into them and we let you do the rest. For you search the hearts of men and you alone are God. So we trust you today. We're in awe of this great work that you've entrusted us with. I pray for each and every individual in here today, Lord God, that you keep them inspired, keep them pushing forward. I don't know who may have come to church today and just did not know why they were coming and, 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 and tried not to come, but they came anyway. Remind them, Lord God, of your love. Keep them strengthened, Father God. Teach them how to journal so they can look back and see that there was only one set of footsteps because you were carrying them. We bless your holy name today, Lord God, and we thank you for giving this freedom to praise you. We pray for those that don't have the freedom to praise you around the world, but they praise you anyway. But we're in awe, Father God, that you continue to trust us the way that you do. Teach us, Lord God. Guide us. Continue to humble us, but remind us that you are God alone. We bless you today, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You ready to say something good as we leave this place with never God's presence? Yes. This, Bible this Bible is our primary source of faith. Source of faith. This, Bible this Bible is our rule of conduct. Rule of conduct. This, Bible this Bible creates the lens, creates the lens that, we that we see life through as we leave this place but never God's presence. Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. God bless you. We love you.